It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Jeep. Here's your host, Matt Derry. Certainly, the anticipation grows, and we are just one day away from the 2019 NBA Draft. Welcome in, everybody. Thank you for listening to Wired, brought to you by Jeep. Let's do this. We will hear from a senior advisor, Ed Stefanski, the man that will be pulling the trigger not once but twice on Pistons draft picks on Thursday evening. What does Ed Stefanski think of this draft? How do these players at 15 and 45 fit with the current roster and what he sees for this 15th pick? You'll hear some comments from Ed Stefanski, who talked to the media on Monday, coming up here on Wired. Also, I'll give you a couple of names to certainly watch out for with that number 15 pick with the Pistons. And ESPN Radio basketball analyst on the college side, Bob Valvano, Bobby V, who will be a part of the ESPN Radio coverage of the NBA draft this year will join me in a matter of minutes here. We'll get his thoughts on some players and certainly what he looks at with this draft. The Pistons hold that number 15 pick in the first round, and they pick number 45 in the second round. And really, after the top three, you're talking about Zion Williamson certainly going to New Orleans, John Morant headed to Memphis, and most likely R.J. Barrett to the Knicks, unless there's any types of trades or anything else. And we know this right now with the Lakers, Acquiring Anthony Davis, New Orleans Pelicans currently sit at number four. Lots of rumors, lots of people talking about trades. Will Cleveland move out of that five spot? Will Atlanta move up? The Hawks have eight, 10, and 17. But with the Pistons right now, it's certainly about getting a player that is going to be the best available at number 15 and somebody that fits what Ed Stefanski and this front office want on this roster. Stefanski made it very clear the other day. This team is still building around Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and at least for one more year, Reggie Jackson. And it doesn't sound like any of those players are going to be on the move anytime soon. What else does Stefanski think as he heads into this draft? Take a listen. In this draft, you have to look at who you like, set your mock-up, whatever you want to call it, uh, and then get the group of players you think were going to be there. You know, when I say I, I know the top three, I think I do. I think in my mind, I know the top eight that shouldn't be there when they get to 15. I'm not saying they're going to go in the top eight, but shouldn't be there at 15. We're going to get a player, and we're going to get a player that's going to help us. Uh, will they crack the rotation next year? Going to be tough, but they're going to be ro- they're going to be no worse than a rotation player. Hopefully, we find that player, and we have a terrific development group that that player becomes a starter down the line. We did a real nice job in the draft last year to get good people. Number one, hardworking people, people that are coachable, people have some grit to them. And we got two of them last year in Bruce Brown and Kyrie. Bruce showed it already. Bruce has it on the defensive end. There's no question about that. Now we got to get him a jump shot. Uh, Kyrie, we, we love Kyrie. He hasn't had an opportunity to play. But the makeup of those two individuals, we really, really like. And that's what we feel we need those type of players as Detroit Pistons. I love the players that that show grit, that want to be in the gym, that want to work out, that want to be coached. Talent is one thing, and, you know, you can't replace it, but if you don't want to put that effort in and and do what we want them to do, uh, you could strike out, and we can't strike out. Where we are today, playmakers, shooters, but that good person who is coachable and work ethic and and grit, um, they're huge. They're absolutely right. And I think for this team and, frankly, for this city, to me, Detroit is that kind of person, and that's people we're trying to get. 
All right, so there's Ed Stefanski, the uh, Pistons' senior advisor to Tom Gorris and the man uh, running the front office. A lot of interesting comments, certainly from Ed, a veteran of the game here, and a guy that's made draft picks before for other organizations. And you heard some key words there, certainly. I, it doesn't sound like to me that Ed knows that at number 15 they're going to be getting an impact player this season. I don't think he wants to bash this draft or talk about some of the weak points of it, but I can and tell you that, again, I, I think it's not a very strong draft. So the Pistons at 15, I think you got to pump the brakes thinking that somebody's going to come in and right away be a rotational and key player. It may take a couple of years for whomever they take at 15 to develop and be part of the rotation. You heard what he said about Kyrie Thomas and Bruce Brown. Two second-round picks. Bruce, who played a lot. Kyrie, not so much, that he feels like can take the next step for next season to be a part of the future. And you heard him talk about character and being a good person. If you're looking at any players that may have any warts on them, such as somebody like Romeo Lankford or Kevin Porter Jr. or somebody like that, whether it's a small wart or whatever, that may be somebody that the Pistons front office is going to shy away from. We'll have to wait and see on that. Matt Derry again with you on Wired, the Pistons podcast brought to you by Jeep. Bobby V, Bob Valvano, going to join me in a second. Let me give you a couple of names that the Pistons worked out this week that I think can definitely be in play at number 15. Number one is Keldon Johnson, 6'6", shooting guard, small forward, played one year at Kentucky, could really fill a need for the Pistons on the wing. He worked out Monday individually for the Pistons, and that's definitely somebody that you would think, if he's there at 15, that Detroit has their eye on. The next one is somebody that worked out with the group on Monday and the rest of the players that were in who were most likely second-round picks, and that is Gonzaga Jr. power forward slash center and a guy that's very, very long and can do just about everything, Brandon Clark. Uh, Many of you probably haven't heard of Brandon Clark, but he can score. Uh, run the floor, athletic, like I said. And, you know, I think it's 6'8", 210, isn't exactly a, a, a big body guy, uh, but certainly can bulk up. But those are two people. And the Pistons did not work out a lot of first-round graded players. But two they did, as, early, as late as this past Monday, watch the names Keldon Johnson and Brandon Clark. Really enjoy catching up with this guy. You heard him for years on ESPN Radio everywhere doing uh, the late night shows. Has his own show in Louisville now and, of course, is the uh, lead college basketball analyst on ESPN Radio. The great Bobby V, Bob Valvano, joining me. What's up, Bob? It's great to be with you. We had a lot of fun last time we got together, so uh, why don't we do it again? It's been a while, uh, sir. I know you're running around in, in Omaha for the College World Series and in New York, and you'll be part of the NBA draft coverage on ESPN Radio. Bobby, when you look at this draft, it, it's going to be wild Thursday night, isn't it? Well, I think it is. I mean, you and I were talking before we started recording this, and uh, it, it's not, I think, a, a draft that's full of, you know, as close to sure things as you can get. It's not really... You know, just loaded with guys where you go, wow, these are all going to be stars. I think there will be some stars that will emerge, but it's not our spectacularly deep draft. But it may be as entertaining a draft as we've had in a long time because, I mean, almost right out of the shoot after Zion, you have a pretty good sense that John Morant's going to go second. But then after that, all bets are off, baby. Anything's liable to happen. You know, as a guy based out of Louisville, and I know you do their games and do the games for ESPN, when you get to three and R.J. Barrett, do you think that's a 100% lock that he's the third best player there? And does he have to go to New York in your estimation? I, I don't think so. And if you, you listen to some reports that were coming out earlier today, 
evidently, you know, they were uh, really working, uh, the Knicks were uh, very eagerly uh, working out uh, uh, Garland uh, from uh, from Vanderbilt because they, and, and he made you wonder why. I mean, why all of a sudden did they rush into doing this? I mean, here's a guy, uh, you know, who only played, Darius Garland only played five games at Vanderbilt, but evidently he worked out after not uh, going to the combine and then, he didn't work out. He, he snuck in a couple of workouts late, one of which was for the Lakers, but that was before the big trade. So uh, I don't know whether he made such a good impression there that the Knicks said, hmm, maybe we should look at this because the speculation has been for much of the day that Atlanta wanted to package their two picks and trade up. And, and, and you know, if the Knicks were in that situation to take the, the tra- turn the three into two top ten picks, I'm not so sure that's a bad decision to make in this year's draft because I don't know if there's that much separation between guys outside, even after Zion, even if you put John Morant in there. I don't know that there's a huge separation, but R.J. Barrett is a guy, Matt, that you can get all sorts of opinions on. Our Paul Biancardi loves him, just absolutely loves him. Says he is a winner. He's just one of those guys that's going to put team first and be you know a solid guy with great skills that is only going to get better. My concern was, having done a number of Duke games, he just hasn't shown the ability to shoot it very consistently. And in today's NBA, I think that's that's a bit of a problem. But um, there are some people who just love him. Uh, I don't know. If you're the Knicks, maybe they're not as sold on him. He said all the right things when he went up to New York and met with the team. You read the comments. I love New York. I'd love to play here. Blah, blah, blah. But um, I don't know. He's You know, you always can say that that's all they do when they get to the pros is they do individual workouts and his shot will progress but i did a lot of duke games this year and um he obviously is if he's going to be a good long-term solid pro maybe an all-star i don't know but i don't know if he's got that star quality that the Knicks, right when you go in the lottery are hoping to, to you know catch lightning in a bottle i'm not sure he's that guy we'll see Bobby V, Bob Valvano from ESPN, uh, joining me here on the Pistons podcast, Wired, brought to you by Jeep, a draft coming up on Thursday. All right, Bob, the Pistons pick 15th. Is that a good thing that they're in the middle of the first round, or or, or, or is it a bad thing? Well, you know, conventional wisdom, you know this. I'm not telling you something you don't know. It's, it's kind of, you know, where I live, our closest NBA team is the Pacers, and they're kind of in the same boat. They're just good enough to, you know, to maybe be playoff contenders, but not, but not good enough to really be serious contenders for a championship. And so you keep getting these middle, middling draft picks, and it's it's kind of hard in most people's mind to build that way. But I don't know. I mean, you look at Toronto; they win the championship. They don't have a they don't have a lottery pick on the roster. There's not a lottery pick on the team. Yeah. So, and I'll be honest: when we had Adam Silver on at the draft. I think it was it was. We've had him on every year. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. But I was glad he brought this up because personally, I can't stand tank. I think it's it's a horrible, horrible look for the league. The ticket prices are very high. I, I mean, it would be, to make an analogy, it would be like, you know, a guy wants to put on a great production of Hamilton in four years. So he comes up with a... Uh, a play called Franklin, you know, and it's a crappy play with bad <laughs> actors, you know, and, and he doesn't have to pay anybody, so he says, I can really stockpile my money, then I'm going to put a great production on it for you. Who does business like that? I, I mean, I think you have an obligation to try and put the best team you can out there while trying to get better. And when they made the lottery, they reworked it like they did. I think it de, de- uh, what, what's the word, decentivized or de-incentivized uh, uh, people to just completely tank, and I think that was a good thing. So, if you're Detroit, I would, and, and Indiana and teams like that, 
I would kind of say the glass is half full. We've got some things to build on. Let's try and, you know, and catch lightning in a bottle like uh, like uh, Toronto did instead of lamenting, gee, if we could only suck a little more. <laughs> I, the, the, <laughs> Not a big fan of that. I, I hear you. The, the, the Pistons had Keldon Johnson from Kentucky in on Monday, and he did kind of an individual workout on his own. It's obvious the Pistons like him. I think he'd be there at 15. It's, it's again, a crapshoot like you and I talked about. You've seen him up close in the games. Obviously, you called for Kentucky on ESPN and, and against Louisville. One year at, at UK, is this kid somebody you like? Well, that's a really, you know what? When you're picking at 15, I think there, it, there's a certain element of crapshoot that goes in it. And I think you've got to, uh, you know, kind of look and say, if you really want to get somebody who's going to be a star then you, you, you roll the dice a little bit. Because when I saw them very early, and I had them twice very, very early, I thought he was going to be the most NBA-caliber guy of the bunch. I really did. I thought he was going to be terrific. He's, you know, he's uh, he, he, he just seemingly has all the skills to do it. I mean, he's a capable rebounder. You know, he shot a decent percentage, but... There are games when he just vanished. I mean, he just disappeared. And if you talk to some of the people around the program, I'm very good friends with Mike Pratt, who's a former player there and is there. He does for their radio what you know I do for Louisville's. He said exactly that. He said, you just can't understand why he can't consistently leave an impact on the game. And, you know, I don't know, maybe he would be a guy... The analogy I could give, and if you're a Pistons fan and that's the guy you get, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I'm just saying, if you wanted to look at it like this, please, you could you could say he is where P.J. Washington was last year, which was, P.J. was a good player, but, you know, I'm not quite sure he was really ready for the NBA, and to his credit, he said, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to go work on all the things that I've got to get better at to be an impactful NBA player, and he did, and this year... He carried that team for much of the season. I mean, Tyler Hero's a terrific player, but PJ was the presence. I mean, you know, he was he was third team All American. He made first team in the SEC, and he, all the things he had to work on, he did and and got better at. If you feel that Kelvin Johnson can do that while he's on your roster, whether whatever they do with him, whether they you know keep him or two way him or I don't know what that what they would do, but wherever they could develop him, then you might very well get a star down the road. And I think. Those are the kind of guys it's probably good to roll the dice with if you're drafting in the teens because you're not going to get a sure thing, but you're looking for upside. And he definitely has that, but he's not. He was definitely a little, a little bit disappointing, especially if you saw him early in the year. Bobby V with me, Bob Valvano. You mentioned Tyler Hero. Uh, the Pistons need shooters. You know they've got Andre Drummond, obviously in the low post. Blake Griffin's all over the floor. But the drive and kick game is kind of what Dwayne Casey wants. Really, everybody in the NBA wants. They want the that home run ball. Is Hero good enough to go at fifteen? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, especially if you want a guy who can shoot it. There's no doubt he can shoot it. I mean, he will absolutely fill it up. I mean, he's a ninety whatever he is, ninety three, ninety two, ninety three percent free throw shooter. I think he shot over ninety eight percent in SEC play, which means as the competition got harder, his game got even better. Uh, he shot fifty percent from the field. I know that, and he was over thirty five percent from the three point line. And if you watch him, he just has that look of a guy that can fill it up by the bucket full. So yeah, I you know I it's funny because. 
when he last spring when they signed him, he was kind of in a lot of people's minds around the program. I don't want to say an afterthought, but they were way more excited about you know the Kelton Johnsons and the other names that they had. And then they made that foreign trip. They went in the late summer, whenever whenever the heck it was, they went, and he was great. And the people who really watched him, the people who didn't really watch, him, what are you getting from that? He's playing against terrible competition. But the people watched said, oh, no, wait, wait do you see this kid? This is the real deal. And if you really paid attention to those games, that's what he did for basically the whole year. He is a tremendously impactful player. He's a better athlete than you think he might be. Uh, but, boy, can he fill it up. So if they're looking for a shooter, um, I would take a very, very good hard look at him. There's no question about that. Let me ask you about Romeo Langford from IU. Um, one, one and done. Everybody knew he was going to be disappointment in terms of, especially in Big Ten play. And of course, Indiana didn't even make the tournament. And you know, he was supposed to be the guy. Uh, the Pistons, you know, pseudo GM or senior advisor Ed Stefanski talked about character and and, and good guys. Not that Langford's been, uh, you know, labeled a bad guy per se, but. What about the fit there at 15? And, and, you know, he was a guy that everybody thought would be a top 10 lock, uh, you know, even before last college season. What did you see? Isn't it funny? I mean, they all, they're all following the same script for different reasons. That is, they're all guys that you think could be really impactful players, but there's a yeah, but attached to them. You know, Kelvin Johnson, yeah, but, you know, I don't, he just disappeared at times. Romeo, the yeah, but is, how much of it is scuttlebutt, how much of it is a fan base that was so disappointed because they thought they were going to be great and they really weren't, but the chemistry was a complete train wreck there this year, the people who followed that program closely, and it's hard for me to think he didn't get at least some of that on himself. I mean, he to think he walked through that unscathed while all the chaos was going on and didn't provoke some of it or, or at least have some role in it, I think it's naive. You can't have the kind of profile he didn't think that all that stuff happened without his involvement. So I wonder about that. I mean, all we heard about, when, oh my God, when they signed him, you know, where we live, just across the river in, in Louisville from where he was signed down there in southern Indiana. I mean, you remember the guy that was, was uh, making comparisons with him and Abraham Lincoln? I mean, it was the most, it was the most ridiculous over the top thing. And then he came in and, he, I mean, his numbers are okay. He averaged almost 17 points a game. He made uh, second team all Big Ten. But if, if you watch, as the year went on, it got worse. The chemistry got worse. And there were some nagging rumors out of there that he was more than just an innocent bystander of that. So that's the, you know, you wonder about that. I mean, there's a bunch of guys like that. Bull Bull. Bull Bull's a fascinating case, not necessarily in a happy way. Bull Bull is a kid that, if he was, was able to get his head on the way it should be, probably should be one of the top five picks in the draft. I mean, he can do everything. He can shoot the three. He handles. He can get double-digit rebounds. But he's, it's, it's very strange. It's like he doesn't look like he really wants to play. I mean, literally. If you go back to his high school days, there were games he wasn't hurt. He was in front playing, and he didn't play. And, you know, he went through the same thing in Oregon. I know he got hurt, but the the, the reputation, was, the yeah, but was, well, he's awfully talented, yeah, but I don't know if he really wants to play. He doesn't look like he has any great passion for the game. So it's just, I mean, it seems like that's what this draft is filled with. And some guys, the light goes on later for, and it will go on, and there'll be stars, and some will never get it. And you'll look back and shake your head and say, boy, what a waste of potential. But I think that's, 
that's why it's going to be a nerve-wracking draft because there's, unless you've got a crystal ball, there's no way you know which guy's going to evolve the way you want him to. Final thing for Bob Valvano, the, the local guys here, obviously with Michigan State, you got a guy like Nick Ward who, and Matt McQuaid, probably second-rounders are not drafted. The Michigan guys are interesting. Uh, Braz Dacus, now that Charles Matthews is hurt, that's going to hurt him big time, and Jordan Poole. Any of those guys jump out at you that, that might sneak into the first round? Well, that's hard for me to say. Um, I had both of those teams a number of times this year. Um, you know, I don't want to be overly callous to knowing your fan base, your listenership, but I, I really didn't leave any of the games with any of them and say, wow, that's a guy. I didn't realize he's going to be a hell of a, a player at the next level. Right. Um, I, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to either of them. What I would say about both of them is this, and this is what I think we're finding out. The second round used to be a death knell. You know, it was like, you in the second round, you were just, it was almost like, I don't even know why they have two rounds. That's changed a lot now. They spend a lot more time, and there's a lot of emphasis placed on getting second-rounders that they think can evolve, and, and you can put them on two-way contracts. And, and the reason I bring that up is because the two best the, the best um, attribute that I think both those guys bring to the table is the coaches they play for. I mean, if you play for Izzo, you have got to be a tough SOB. And if you're looking for a program, you know, that needs a little toughness and a little grit uh, and a guy that, you know, he's probably not going to come in and be a star, but he's not going to hurt you because he's going to play with that kind of tenacity. And, you know, that's what those guys all do. And when you look at John Beeline, I mean, all you've got to do is watch how they played for years and you're going to get a guy who understands how to space the floor and understands how to pass, the importance of passing and how to cut and, and, and just play. And that's how the game is evolving. And so it's very hard to play that way when you've got one guy out there who doesn't understand those concepts. And so if you got a guy like that in the second round and you can develop him some, you know, you can find minutes maybe for him somewhere in a reserve role because when he goes in, he's not going to disrupt the apple cart. He knows how to play. They, 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 again, I'm not blowing smoke at those two guys. There's a lot of good coaches in the country and a lot of good coaches in the Big Ten. But those attributes particularly, I think, translate to certain teams in the right situation in the NBA. Bob, great stuff, man. Uh, enjoyed it. Good luck with the broadcast on uh, Thursday night. I'll be, I know you'll be working alongside our buddy Al Rosenberg, and uh, have fun with it. It's always a great time. We're down on the floor there. Matt Kestisher, P.J. Carlissimo, and, and as you said, Al does a terrific job. And it's fun to visit with you, Matt. Thanks for having me on, bud. Always a pleasure to talk to Bobby V. Bob Valvano from ESPN Radio. We will have more coverage here on the Pistons Wired podcast after the draft on Friday. Hopefully catch up with Ed Stefanski and get his thoughts on what Detroit gets at number 15 and at number 45. And we don't really touch much on 45, but I believe that the Pistons will be taking some sort of shooter at 45, and there's going to be some good ones that might slide to that spot. Um, it just depends on, on who's there. But this is this is certainly a draft that uh, is, is hard to, to handicap. You know, there's going to be a lot of surprises, I think, in the first round. I think there's going to be some guys with first-round grades that slide into the second round. All right, that'll do it for Wired, brought to you by Jeep. Enjoy the draft, everybody, and you'll hear from us again later on this week.